like Fonzo said, uh, it's a little bit smaller crowd today, but it's also encouraging to see uh, how many people are out. About half the congregation or so is uh, at the marriage retreat down in Wichita. Uh, so, sorry for that. Also, a few announcements before we get started. There is a, uh, to the few that this applies to, uh, there's a marriage retreat this Wednesday uh, at 7.30 p.m. So that will be here at 7.30 p.m. And then next Sunday, there's a family group leaders meeting. Uh, at 2 p.m. also at the church building as well. So that will be, uh, we have church that morning, obviously, and the 2 p.m. Uh, leaders meeting. And then also our new fancy website is up and going, so always check the website. All right, well, how's everyone doing this morning? Hey, how you doing? Come on, I'm good, Trey, I'm good. Um, go ahead and turn over to Philippians 2 with me, please. We are continuing our series, Love Driven is the series. Today I'm going to talk about Love Driven Humility. So I'm going to read Philippians 2, 1 through 11. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But instead, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Amen? So like I said, we're going to talk about humility today, and Philippians 2 is an, an awesome scripture for this, and I love in verse 3, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Do you want to hear struggles being humble? I, uh, I grew up, and I had it from my parents just all the time. Brett, you're being prideful. Brett, you're being arrogant. Brett, you need to think about others more. So when I hear that word, I kind of get like a, like a twitch, like, oh, okay, humble, like, here it comes again, I'm about to get rebuked, I'm about to be corrected. And honestly, it's still my sinful nature, and I still need to hear it. And when we look at this, value others above yourself. To put yourself below others, it's not natural, right? It's, it's very different than society and the, the world that we live in. And what we're taught just growing up, going to school, going to work. The world teaches that you need to have selfish ambition. It's all about getting yours, right? Look out for you and yours. You gotta be, you gotta advance, you gotta promote yourself. Conceit here is excessive pride in oneself. Or I like this that they do a delusional understanding of one's own importance. A delusional understanding of one's own importance. You think that you're so important and it's just delusional. You think you're so you are so vital to this 
<laughs> it's kind of convicting because a lot of this it feels like, honestly, if I'm if I'm being honest, I'm kind of preaching myself today. And so, so lately we've been playing this game. Has anyone played a uh, game Settlers of Catan before? So it's it's basically if you haven't played, it's like a mix of Monopoly and poker together. And it's a trading game. And and the goal, like any game, is you want to win. And there's one winner. You want to get to ten points. But the game is like the peak of selfish ambition. Like you walk into the game friends with someone and you walk out enemies with someone. And you like all like hold like bitter grudges against people. I'm like, I'm sorry, guy, like, I gotta like talk to people afterwards and have some conversations and it it really tears people apart and it's a trading game. And the and the point of the game is you wanna win obviously, but you trade certain resources and you can even help others as long as you help yourself more. So I want to get myself up, I want to be better, I want to get to the, the finish line before the people I'm playing against, and I'll do whatever it takes, even push them down. And I teach you now, like, we have this leaderboard in our house, and we, even, we write down, if you win, you write the name, the date, and then um, and then you, you kind of keep track. We even kept track of our own, like, winning percentage. So when there's snow days, we, just, we go crazy with, like, three, four times a day. And then we'll have like little talks at the as a household and be like, guys, I'm sorry, <laughs> But it got me thinking this idea of Selfish Catan and Selfish Ambition. Do I live my life like I'm playing Selfish Catan? Do I is my life is it a game of self-advancement? Am I trying to make myself better? Am I trying to appear better than I actually am? What about you? Is your humility just another game to further your own self-interest? Imagine here in Philippians 2, imagine if Jesus had this mindset. If Jesus had that mindset, he would never have come to earth, right? Like, he had no further self-interest, no interest to further, right? He was in heaven. Why would he come down to earth? He had it all. He was everything. He was in everything. Jesus was God. He would have never come to earth if he had this idea. And if Jesus wasn't willing to be uncomfortable, you and I would not be here today. Jesus chose dying on the cross, dying on a piece of wood over heaven. He chose to be mocked. I mean, they put a scarlet crown on his head. They stuck it in his head. I imagine blood dripping down his face, right? They, they gave him a Staff and a scarlet robe, and he was king, but they're mocking him. This is the creator of the universe. He chose to be mocked over praise, over praise. He chose pain over pleasure. Jesus chose to be uncomfortable. And humility is, is uncomfortable. Love driven humility, if done right, there's no way around it, it's just uncomfortable. What are you choosing? Think about your walk with God. Is it is it comfortable? Has it gotten easy? Because isn't it funny that in the times when things are uncomfortable, we grow the most? Like if you look at you look back at your life and you think about the times that were probably tough, but are the lessons you learned also. And and you grew and your character expanded and, and you reached the threshold that I didn't know I could I could handle that. But it's uncomfortable. It's tough when you work out, right? You start running and you start lifting weights. Man, a few months down the line, you can do way more than you can at the beginning. 
but it takes you gotta be uncomfortable. Being a follower of Jesus was never meant to be comfortable. And our society has kind of this idea of comfort has seeped into the church, has seeped into the way we see God. It's funny, we there are certain movies and, and TV shows coming out that almost take away from the reverence of God. Like it makes God just this man, it's like sitcoms and I was thinking about this and it just didn't sit right. They're trying to make God more comfortable for us. Instead of the, the God in the Bible, it's like, holy, 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 as we were just singing. It's, oh, God is just this, this dude that cracks jokes, you know? And it, and I think God wants to be our friend, Jesus wants to be our friend, but there's still a, there's a lack of, it's just everything is comfortable today. You don't even have to go to a fast food restaurant, you can download an app and they'll bring it to you now. That is how comfortable everything has gotten. Being a follower of Jesus was never meant to be comfortable. Listen to these verses. I'm going to read these four verses. And there were verses written to comfort first century Christians that were going through turmoil. And think, could these have been written to you? Would they even apply? In 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, it says, We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16, Dear friends, not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of God, of glory, and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should be not as a murderer or a thief or any kind of other criminal, or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Romans 8, 35-39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Could those be written to you? Like, if the Apostle Paul, which these were written a lot by him, came to you and kind of assessed your life for our church, what would his letter to us be? I don't, I don't think it would be like this. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. Crushed, perplexed, but not despaired. And these, these churches were going through the ring. It was tough. It was uncomfortable. And I think about this in my life. Does this even apply to my life? Would this even apply to me? These first century Christians were laying their lives down. But sometimes I can't even wake up 30 minutes early to read my quiet time with them. Sometimes I, I complain about, man, how cold it is, or the parking lot's slippery, or just dumb, trivial things. Really uncomfortable. 
I had um, I had a teammate that he had a, an interesting theory on uh, running and comfort. So, in his his theory was, we would run many miles, hundred miles a week. He's like, running just stinks. It's not fun. It's just not not good. And I believe it or not, people who ran at collegiate level think that as well. They're not all crazy and think that's fun all the time. Um, but his, his theory was, I'm going to make my life outside of running as uncomfortable as possible so that while I run, it will seem comfortable in comparison. So I'll give you examples. I got a lot of looks like, huh? What do you do? It's, he literally didn't have a bed. He would sleep on the floor. So he's like, you know what? I can't wait to go to practice in the morning because last night was horrible. I couldn't sleep. Or other things like he would sit, he kind of had not bad eyesight, but he needed glasses. He was nearsighted. And then so he would sit at the back of the classroom. So he had to squint. So he would get a headache. So his life would be uncomfortable. So then when it came to running, it was like a relief. So I don't have to worry about this. This guy was, he was like the best runner on our team. He was like amazing. But he had these theories. <laughs> wow. He would walk everywhere, even though he had a car. He'd walk miles down the road. When it was hot outside, he'd wear a jacket. When it was cold outside, he wouldn't. Because if he could make himself uncomfortable when he wasn't running, it made when he was running just a little bit more comfortable. And we're like, this guy's crazy, but you couldn't argue with the results, right? He would win every race. He was an All-American. He was awesome. But Cam was his name. Cam made himself uncomfortable for track success. But sometimes we're not willing to make ourselves uncomfortable for eternal success. Are you willing to make yourself uncomfortable? You know, what's uncomfortable is purposely making yourself lower for others. Yeah. So it begs the question, okay, Brad, i got to make myself uncomfortable. How does that practically apply to us? First thing I thought of is helping a kid's kingdom. Sometimes at the end of those teacher terms, it's, it's exhausting working with kids and, and the lesson goes long and it can be tiring. But you're serving. You're humbly serving. This weekend there's a marriage retreat, right? So I know a lot of people who aren't here are also helping with kids. They're watching their kids. So the parents go down to Wichita. That's awesome. Helping the kids kingdom. How about this one? Talk to someone that you have nothing in common with or you think you have nothing in common with. It's funny. It's a little bit different today, which is cool, but usually this is the campus ministry side, right? And this is like everyone else. And there's almost like this divide between who talks to who, and there's a few people that rave the other side and talk to <laughs> someone who's not their age range, but talk to someone you don't know. If you're an older member of the congregation, maybe you can invite a, a campus student over for a meal. Man, that would go amazing. Have a home cooked meal. That's not like Doritos and ramen. Oh my God. <laughs> Life changing. <laughs> you know, we had, a, we had coffee for a cause this past week, and I thought it was awesome. Now, I'm so grateful for the people that put it together, for the people that performed, for all those who came out and donated. And what that does is it, it gives scholarships to people to help them to go serve. In other countries. That is your way to serve. If you can't go yourself, help others to do that. Yesterday, we uh, a few me and a few other guys were shoveling snow. We were just trying to get the, the sidewalks clear here. It's a way to serve. It's awesome. Uh, Christian, who's gonna get baptized today, yeah. before our Bible studies, 
kid you not, he would bring snacks before every single Bible study. I'm like, dude, we, you don't have to do it. There's a snack right there. Tony's got one to say. Here she brought that. And when I said, why are you bringing He's like, I just, I'm grateful for you guys. And I, I think they you know, I have a discount here. And I just want to help you guys out and bring the book. That's awesome. That's a practical way that we can serve. Another thing is campus students, we have a, for spring break, we have campus swap coming up. And we're going to Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'll be honest, Arkansas, we went to Colorado last year, that's fun. Arkansas is no Florida. Arkansas is no Texas or Mexico. It's even colder still. But it's an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity to strengthen another ministry, an opportunity to bring people over. Josh and Katie Warner, who work here, we sent them out here's an opportunity to encourage them and strengthen them. You know, Arkansas isn't the ideal destination, but man, it's a great way to humbly serve. Maybe make yourself a little uncomfortable reaching out on campus and meeting people and making an eternal impact in your life and other people's life. Today, everything is catered towards being comfortable. How can I make the least amount of effort to get the maximum result? But Jesus sacrificed all his comfort. I'm so grateful that Jesus said, this is this mindset, this humility. He did all this so we just have a chance at salvation. Are you willing to sacrifice comfort and serve others just like Jesus did? Second thing, that love-driven humility takes strength. I'm going to read verses 5 through 11 again. Before we can see. You guys with me? It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality of God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. I love verse 7. But Jesus made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. There's a quote here that says, The ancient Greeks, Greeks considered lowliness of mind or humility to be a fault, not a virtue. The pagan and secular idea of manhood is self-assertiveness, imposing one's will on others. When anyone else stooped to others, he did so only under compulsion. Hence, his action was disgraceful. Basically, if you were humble, you were a loser. I think the same can be said about, in a lot of ways, our society today. It wasn't just the ancient Greeks. If you have to go to, if you have to stoop down to the level, man, why would you ever make yourself lower? How about getting to the top? You know what really, what really bothers me is when people say that being a Christian is weak. That it doesn't take strength. That you don't, ah, oh, you're just a Christian, okay, you're just this Bible number, we read this through or whatever. That bothers me. So you tell me what's harder, what takes more strength. 
going off on someone in an argument when they're yelling at you, or turning the other cheek and not saying something back. That's a lot harder. What about this? Sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend, or having a pure, godly relationship. It's a lot harder than the first one. But this, which one's harder? Taking your dream job that you went through all high school with, that you got your degree in, you've been preparing for, or possibly taking a lesser paying job in order to stay closer to the kingdom, stay closer to the body of Christ, to have people in your life who keep you accountable because you value your spiritual well-being above your financial well-being. What about this one? Saying yes to that attractive guy or girl at work or you know doesn't have the same convictions as you or faithfully waiting possibly years for the right godly man or woman. It's tough. It's really tough. Eating out, buying new clothes, upgrading your lifestyle, or deciding to give your first fruits to God financially, even when you're not quite sure how it's going to work out. These are faithful, strong things to decide. But don't confuse humility with being weak. They're two very different things. In Matthew 27, verse 41 through 44, I'll read it, I'll turn there. Look at Jesus here. It says, Those who pass by hurl insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Imagine being Jesus here. You're, you're hanging on the cross, you're the creator of the universe, and the dudes that are crucified with you are heaping insults on you. Who are on the cross as well, right next to you. The people that you have probably healed, that you saved, or maybe the children of them, or in some way connected to them, you fed, are mocking you, are baiting you, Man, I would be so tempted to react. Oh, you want to see how powerful I am? Disappear. You know? Oh, just, just one person. Can I just turn them to ash? Then they'll respect me. Wouldn't that have been tempting? No. Just something. Maybe even speak or, or win over the crowd. Or, but he doesn't. He's literally in excruciating pain hanging on the cross, and he doesn't take a bit. So you tell me, would it have been stronger for Jesus to do something like that? Or is it stronger for him to just stay there? That's what took the most strength. The most humble act in human history is also the one that took the most strength. 
To follow Jesus' example, sometimes you're going to have to be weak by the world's standards. You're going to have to forgive and not hold that grudge, even when it may have not been your fault at all. You're going to have to turn the other cheek rather than escalating that argument. You're going to have to prioritize reading, prayer, your quiet time with God over financial gain. You're going to have to befriend and serve the poor and less fortunate. All those, that's what takes real strength. That's what a real man and woman of God does. That's what a real Christian is. Not just one that shows up on Sunday, but one that's 24-7, a real Christian. Are you willing to stand strong for what the Bible says? Even when it's countercultural or not popular. There's a lot of things that the Bible says that are very countercultural to what's popular right now. Are you willing to stand for that? Or are you trying to, well, I think the Bible probably meant this, so that it fits in with that, what they're saying, and are you willing to stand with conviction? Just like Jesus did. Are you ready to fight for your relationship with God? And some days you wake up and you're like, I can't wait to have time with God today. Some other days it's like, this is a struggle. This is tough. Are you willing to fight for your roommate's salvation? And call them to a stand. Your classmates. Your spouses. Your co-workers' salvation. Jesus was willing to fight humbly through hours of excruciating pain on the cross. And that took the most strength to just stay there, to contain there. Will you have the strength to be humble? I want to close with this. Jesus had the strength to fight, but it wasn't with swords, shields, or an uprising. Rather, Jesus' fight involved leaving heaven to be born in a manger, being tempted over and over again by Satan, betrayed by his closest friends, saying nothing when falsely accused, mocked, spit on, beaten, flogged, and hung on a tree. Jesus' fight was for you and I's salvation. He stood in place of our sin, driven by humility and love that should compel us to no longer live for, them, for ourselves, but for him. Let's pray for you. Dear God, thank you for your son, thank you for Jesus, and him showing us what it means to be uncomfortable, showing us what it means to have a true strength. Thank you for his sacrifice. Uh, we are unworthy uh, to, to be here, to, to have a family, to have a car, to, to be able to meet in a place with, with Pete right now, and with people that care about us and love us. Uh, I'm so grateful. I, I pray that uh, your son's sacrifice can motivate us to do the same, and that we're, uh, we're willing to step out and be uncomfortable. We're willing to, to stand with conviction and strength for uh, eternal matters, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.